Let me just recap us. A dare. What about dad? Okay. All right. What a Jen. What about dad? Welcome back to What About Dad TV recap and review. I'm Adair. I'm Jen. This week on the Salty Supergirl Review, we'll be talking about Episode 5, Parasite Lost. But before we get into it, we want to discuss the business of the day. Jen here. What About That TV recap and review announced their new patron account. This is a great opportunity for the podcast to grow to new heights, bringing you cool and exciting new extras. We will leave a link to the Patreon account in tonight's show description. If you like the podcast, feel free to follow us on Twitter, shoot on over to our iTunes, and give us a five-star rating and write a review. A little love goes a long way towards growing the cast. Back to you, Adair. Thanks, Jen. Tonight, we'll be debuting our new series called Podfic Theater where we will be spotlighting fanfic from some of your favorite archive of our own authors. If you have a favorite fanfic, send it to us at whataboutdat17 at gmail.com and we'll give it a look-see. And if you get picked, we'll get the star treatment. An audible explosion in your ears with the highest quality reading and editing. And if you're new to the cast, you can tune into us on iTunes, Spotify, Player FM, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbeam, Listen Notes, and we even have some fun stuff going on over at YouTube. So make sure you like and subscribe. Twitterisms. In an effort to build community, we are reaching into the fandom on Twitter and pulling tweets from across the Supergirl universe. Today's focus is hashtag Agent Corp Appreciation Day. Shipper's gonna ship, and we respect that. We respect it real hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when Alex Danvers is in a real quantifiable bind, do you know who she turns to? Who, girl, who? Lena K. Luther. They are both clearly two strong women. And to some, that kind of chemistry, you just want to bottle it, make it last forever like a boat, an itty-bitty ship in a bottle, and that ship's called... Agent Corp. Hashtag make it real. Katie McPerfect at Ashley underscore SBA8 says, I'm still screaming over Alex turning to Lena and having faith in her to save Supergirl, even after Brainy, a 12 level intellect, said there's no hope. Still. Clap emoji, screaming, clap emoji, clap emoji, hashtag Lena Luther, hashtag Alex Danvers, hashtag Agent Corp, hashtag Supergirl. Yes, I like that. At Lavinka Gins, <sighs> Twitter, you guys know your names. <laughs> With a meme of Alex and Lena says, hey, Lena, what's going on? And Lena says, hey, Alex, can you come hold me for a minute? dot 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 it's for science hashtag agent corp agent corp at tam underscore sunshine katie says that if she has to choose a love interest she will pick kyler 
it would be Lena's trophy heart 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 emoji. I'm ready for hashtag Asian Corp anytime. It's laughing till I cry face. Hashtag hack. At Sandy underscore capital C capital H says, <clears throat> if Katie could choose any actress to play Lena's girlfriend, who would she choose? Katie. Well, looks at Kyler. Kyler is kind of nice. Hashtag Agent Corp. Hashtag laughing my ass off. Hashtag laughing my ass off. <laughs> Those were the Twitterisms. Those were the Twitterisms of the day. Thank you, Agent Corp, for giving us options. All you ardent shippers, we appreciate you. And, and now, now it's, it's time, time for, for the Salty Supergirl Review. Ew. Jim's dramatic synopsis reading. Supergirl decides to host a garden party. DIY your life. James, as guardian, has become a social media influencer for the rising alt-right anti-alien movement sweeping through national city and the world. This sounds like one of those Dave Chappelle skits. Agent Liberty, Ben Lockwood, Plots with Asian Jensen, who still has a worm in his ear. This is the song that doesn't end. Yes, it goes on and on. The worm is a parasite with the capacity to kill humans via contact and temporarily take alien powers. The worm parasite also leaves them with a fugly ass face right before they die. Conflict of the week. Team Supergirl must stop Agent Jensen, who still has a parasite in his ear. Only problem is that he is seemingly invincible from having that parasite ear situation. You know what I'm saying? It's a catch-22. Can't stop what they can't touch. Can't touch Jensen without dying or losing his superpowers. Ain't that a shame? All right, so let's talk about Supergirl. Man, Jen, what do you think? What do you feel about her this week? I was utterly surprised. Because who in their right mind would think that Car Danvers is a garden party thrower extraordinary? I mean, she was like living her best rooftop dreams. Where'd she get that rooftop? Why didn't we see it before? We saw it before. They explained it was broke. And she fixed it. She used it to plant all the, the vegetables in the garden and, and, and mix the mojitos. But you know what she didn't plant in her garden? What? What is she plant? You know why? Because she had already picked them and they were sitting on her desk. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> All right, so we got to see a lot of interview Kara, which was really great this episode. Um, I don't know, how'd you feel about this whole um, kind of spiritual, you know, Deepak Chopra alien that we had working around? Um, I really felt like this show zigs and then they zag, but they never do it in a way that is constructed well. This week's Union Extra of the week was this alien named Amade, and I felt like what they really did was they set us up with this opening garden party experience to break our hearts with the fact that it was really a James-centric episode, and it also had this clunky spiritual leader who took up like nearly a third of the episode with his family drama, only none of us really cared about his family drama. And the only thing interesting about it, this whole situation, was the idea that Cara Danvers 
got to be a mentor to Nia Nall. That was all I got out of it. I understand that. Yeah, I I did. I mean, I like the idea, but then it was also kind of like pointless. Um, I appreciated her being, you know, Miss Martha Stewart. I thought that was great. Bringing Nia Nall, it was a nice way to bring Nia Nall into the group, into the fold. She got to meet Alex for like a hot, hot minute. I thought Alex was hitting on her and I was like, ah, stop it. Uh, it was just a little too fresh. <laughs> That's it was weird. weird. That's what I said. I was like, ah. It's like your aunt hitting Pretty on much. you. Pretty much. I was yeah. like, Alex, I was like, Kyler, calm down. We get it. You need a girlfriend. <laughs> just calm down. <laughs> <laughs> no. Just calm it down. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, like Cara Danvers, we were always talking about how we want to see her as a reporter. I feel like that note was given. I was surprised. I was taken off. You know, when we found out that once again, you know, she wasn't going to be the center of the action as much. She wasn't going to fight the big bad. You know, she was going to be the reporter. And so we really got pedestrian Cara Danvers reporting and really being a senior reporter, which is something that was lacking in the last season, seeing that growth to reporter. And I felt like there was a disparity because, you know, season three, we got Cara Danvers I want to say it was three. We, season three, we skipped a lot of that. So the last reference we had to Cara being a senior reporter was that she was a junior reporter working under Snapper Car, And then that storyline like kind of was left hung op- open. But we haven't really got to see her grow as a mentor reporter in the capacity that we're seeing Alex grow as a director of the DEO. So her career path has really been kind of a gray area for us. And... It's, I just wish I'd seen more continuity in her personal development. True, there true, true, true. Um, and it's also just a bummer that, once again, we have this kind of idea that Supergirl, on her own show, is taking a back seat. Yes, I'm glad that we have Kara. I'm here for it. Bring some of that stability back. But, once again, it was about everybody else and their mom. Speaking of everybody else and their mom, literally everybody else and their mom, uh, let's move on to Alex, because she had a heavy, meaty... Uh, part of this episode, which was really her relationship with this new colonel who uh, showed up. You know what I'm saying? Uh, colonel, what is that? Colonel Haley? Uh, yeah, Colonel Haley. She's um, sent by the president. Yeah, sent by the president, who we're slowly learning. Homeland Security. Is a little bit um, not so alien friendly, you know? And I mean, I get it, but it also is kind of a pain in the butt. Um, I really liked what was happening with Alex in this episode. Um, yeah, we see Auntie Alex on the rooftop looking gay as ever. We'll talk about that in a different segment. But um, I think it's really cool that we saw a lot more of Alex being DO leader, but like really doing it. It's just going to show that she's a perfect choice. You know, she's doing everything protocol. She is actually quite structured and she's not really willy nilly unless it's like life, you know, saving, which I thought was really really interesting you know defying orders when she has to but overall alex is a really great leader no no what do you think kind of like going into this about alex uh, presence? i think we saw the second for the second time we're seeing alex put into a situation of stress where she has been forced to define her style of leadership and the the path she chooses is always not the easy way out via beating people into submission she beats people into submission with her mom talks it's just like i'm not sure that anyone else any other fbi department runs this way but if you cross her you are going to get a heartfelt convo and you're going to cry a little 
and then you're gonna want a hug and that's what she's really bringing to the party these I mean days. I think it's great though I mean it, it's uh, showing her negotiation skills where she kind of just talks the bad guy down as opposed to using her fist which I think is kind of admirable you know I just I, I really enjoy her continued uh, work relationship with Brainiac and it feels like the switch between her and Jean of being DEO leader to her being the new leader and him kind of being off the job has really, for us, it translates into minutes of Alex's time on screen. Mm-hmm. This season, we are seeing so much more of her being in the relevant storylines, and it just feels like this was a this was like a slot switch of character that we've been waiting to see for literally since season a- one. Happened. Absolutely, you know what absolutely. I mean. Absolutely, and you know something that. You mentioned, like, her and her brainy act. Like, it's funny because they're giving us different uh, levels of Alex. Last season we got, you know, gay Alex. Great. Her coming out, it was amazing. That was the best thing they ever did to the show. Then, now we're getting her work, Alex. We're really seeing Alex take a step in a, and really be a leader. But then she's also being more of a mentor. How much, like, how Kara has Nia, Alex has brainy now. You know, a new nerd in a way to kind of show humanity and show how to be human you know and i think that's really great i do love the fact that she's being challenged in a different way with this colonel um she's not being challenged in like a a mental or physical aspect it's a political aspect you know she had so much reverence for um you know uh president carter uh yeah she really president i know but i like calling her president carter and so, you know, she has this reverence for her. And so she does believe in, like, higher up and hierarchy and things like that. So having this colonel come in and be like, oh, thank God, Jean's gone. He's just, you know, in it. pretty much she said the nicer version of calling him a roach, <laughs> you know. And yeah. I found that really interesting, you know. Um, also in this world, because they translate a lot of alien to being people of color and things like that, being a person of color... This, this particular version of this character not liking Jean, I wish that they would have gone a little deeper and making it that she didn't mm. hate him because he was an alien, but hating that he's perpetuate or that he's pretty much faking being a person of color. Yeah, actually, I would that that's a level that I would have loved to have seen from this colonel, and I like that she brought that up. You know, the notion that, you know, you're choosing to present as, you know, a person of color and finding the racism yeah a little bit i I absolutely that'd be kind of interesting like you're fake you're not real like i could totally see them going there with that and that's such a heavy dark conversation to have i really like that i think that's a great point you know um i think that from the moment just one last note on this woman colonel Haley. i feel like the setup was so foreshadowed like from the moment she arrived last episode to this episode you know, he knew she was up to something. Presidents don't just send colonels to watch over elite secret <laughs> governments. Yeah, uh, secret government that operations. We know <laughs> right? Uh, they don't unless you're in some deep shit. You know, unless the government is suspicious of your motives. And so it's like this entire episode, every interaction between Alex and the colonel was good. And because it was good, you just always were waiting for the shoe to drop. And I feel like for me, I never got on board with the colonel even as though they tried to make her as redeemable or likable or make the the big twist at the end bigger 
I just felt like I could see it coming from a mile away. And I, I think that what this does is for Alex, th this is going to present an even larger world problem. And I think it's really interesting. I can't wait to see it tackled through this character. But just that notion that the government is compromised by these uh, people with who have this philosophy, you know, this alt-right philosophy. I mean, it very much so mirrors life, but it seems like absolutely Alex doesn't see it yet. But all every viewer watching the show. Well, sees I think it. she. I think Alex does see it because she kind of gave that like snide, like you know, when she goes, "Oh, and you are gonna." in my presence salute me and she did kind of like a oh yeah well that was at the end by the end she sees it the end of the episode she absolutely oh no in the beginning she doesn't but see like it, she yeah. doesn't know that she doesn't know it goes all the way to the top yet yeah. she doesn't know that it's the president's order the xenophobic anti-alien sentiment is expressed at the top so my larger thought is we know that lex luther is coming into the world we know that the government is compromised I'll save it for predictions, but I, I can't see how these two large factors are not going to intersect at one point. Exactly. All right. Well, let's take a moment to have a little break and talk about wardrobe of the week. Lena and Kara's matching and Taylor chic. This is how soccer moms dress when they attend candle parties. Thrown by friends entrenched in candle selling pyramid schemes, but still attend the parties for the mojitos, even as they politely refrain from buying that six-piece tea light set and lamp combo. Lena's the ying to Kara's pastel yang, matching each other's complimentary pink, yellow, and cream outfits. They've been a super core so long, they finish each other's sentences. Share an audible account, can locate that singular piece of lint fluff on each other's shirts and brush it off. Mm, and we also have Alex Danvers. She is Tegan and Sarah in the leather jacket that she keeps in the breakup with Maggie. When she's feeling anxious, she puts the jacket up to her face, finds comfort in the lingering sense of shampoo and something else that harkens back to the days past. Beard chased back with cheap tequila shots at the alien bar, a semi-competitive game of pool, which ends in a bar fight. Just me plus you against the world with a couple of pool sticks and, and yes, guns. Sometimes always at night, Maggie calls, but you don't answer it because you know she's inevitably asking about that jacket. And you always tell her the same lie. You don't have it. Haven't seen it. Have no idea what she's talking about. Conversation falls apart from there, but neither of you get off the phone. And that's Wardrobe of the Week. So John. John's evolution into a community leader. I think that's his arc this so series so far. Mm -hmm. What did you think? I'm liking it. Okay, so in the comic books, he is a detective. Like, he is an alien detective. They're finally getting to his actual origin of what John Jones is supposed to be. If they're not going to give us Martian Manhunter because of all the CGI budget on sci-fi, I mean, I'm sorry, on uh, CW, uh, then I do like the fact that they're going to treat him in this, you know, in this regard. Um, somebody brought up this qualm, and I, I've been saying thinking this for a while and I was just like I wonder if they're ever going to address it I kind of let it go in the vein of um, you know suspending my disbelief Jean is taking over the kind of alien AA meeting bar from Fiona <laughs> yes so we're here and the whole point of the alien you know meetup 
is to be like, we get to be ourselves. I'm not wearing my inhibitor. I look like an alien. I want people to love me and see me as an alien. While all along, John is running this thing as a human. <laughs> He's not looking like Martian Manhunter. He's not living his life on the outs as a Martian. He keeps looking like a black dude. So while he's, it's like, and uh, I forget his name, he's a YouTuber, but he says, which was a great analogy, he goes, it's like having an alcoholic running an AA meeting. It makes no sense. You know, when I wrote notes for the show on this episode, I wrote that exact thing. And you know what? I'm glad you remembered that because I, thank you for bringing that up again. I thank you for bringing that into this space because I had the same thought, you know, and I feel like speaking to that thought that why isn't he presenting what doesn't make it would make sense but they haven't given him the infrastructure they haven't given him the writing or the development so he's never exhibited any any of his own inner conflict about presenting as an alien and so I feel like it would it would make sense if he had like this storyline where he was conflicted about going out in public as an alien you know if it was his own battle but the fact that he isn't and that he's confident in who he is really just adds to the fact that it made no sense he could have at least like even if he's not going to do the cgi makeup you know they could have at least put him in the costume what he wears in his home you know that martian hunter regalia or well the thing is i just kind of realized because you actually mentioned you just said something that kind of sparked an idea it's like okay he did say a few seasons ago, like, he presents as a black man because Martians are very much treated almost the same way on his planet the way black people are treated on this planet. So he felt akin and very, um, uh, you know, connected to that, to that face because it felt just like home in a way. It felt more realistic to him. Now, with that said, because you were like, oh, does he have that internal struggle? I, I almost feel like he keeps looking like Hank Henshaw because it's still the same effect. If he were to be a Martian, he would probably get the same hate that he gets from being a black guy. Does that make sense? It's like, he, I, it's almost like, what's the point of looking like an alien when you're just gonna get the same hate? I might as well look like the same dude. Like which one, if we're getting really deep, which one's hated more in this world, you know, people of color black dude or a martian i would say the alien would be hated more which is why you'd have to have the alien you know present more to to remove the stigma from the media representation yeah and i think well because now that he's already said oh i because i'm a martian and i chose to be a black guy because it's the same thing in his mind ultimately he can't separate himself from what he is yeah his, he can't say he he, he's like Heath Ledger he can't take the mask off yeah I think that's really interesting <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's his conflict I think this is way too deep it is way too but, deep um, for CW and any of the writers it but is way too deep I think they didn't think about creating that as a plot sure point didn't. and then they clumsily had this meeting and maybe the actor was like why am I not in makeup and then they were like budget <laughs> I think that's about as far as this went speaking of black people who are making no sense uh let's uh, oh i yeah. love this i let's love it head over to james and his twitter alt-right following he finally found a following that agrees with him online <laughs> oh man oh, much like yeah. his actor james is absolutely becoming a pain in the ass to everybody <laughs> he's so i don't care i i, I can separate the two but 
Uh, James, I have complaints when I did a solo cast. Uh, I talked about like five things people could do to make this character more better, to develop him, to make him a better character, make him great. Um, and the, one of the things on my list was to write a flaw for him. And I think they're like, the writers are like, let's make him arrogant. And I'm like, just because you give a character a flaw does not make, it makes the character more interesting because now you have something mm -hmm. to talk about. Like tonight we have something to talk about as opposed to nothing, nothing burger we've had. Um, but uh, it also is not necessarily making him likable. Now, I feel like they try so hard to make him likable. I don't like him. And then when they try to make him flawed, I feel like the the, the the residual I'm a pain, flawed human being, the likable part that comes from developing a full rounded character, we're still not getting that. We're, we're getting one dimension. And it's like this, this, this chase to be guardian, it reminds me of Don Quixote. Don, you know, like chasing the windmill. He's like jumping into his suit to go mow people over with his uh, motorcycle. He's a domestic terrorist. Oh, good lord. <laughs> that's uh, essentially what he's doing, right? Actually, that's probably how they're going to frame him in the media. But anyways, um, yeah, this, this is such a huge See, the thing is, with topic. James... Uh, uh. Okay, so yes, you're correct with the whole, like, okay, they're trying to make him something he's not. They had a really good Jimmy Olsen the first season. He was loving, caring, reporter, whatever, right? Okay, respected women, blah, 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 for the most part. And now we have this, I have, an, uh, I have a need to be, okay, Batman is a vigilante. He's rich. He's able to help and separate himself when things get politically crazy, right? Okay, cool. James is trying to be that same kind of feel, but it's actually doing more harm than good to his image, to the company he's working for. He's collateral damage, and they keep writing him as such. Now, it's the same idea. They got rid of Monel, and they gave a lot of his bad traits to James. And I'm like, but... But why? <laughs> like, why did you do that? You know, we hated Monel so hard. A lot of us did. Some people are still very delusional about how much they love him. But fine, fine, fine. Live your life. Ship who you want to ship. But they're giving him the same kind of bad qualities or tendencies. Something that we talk about often. I, we like Wayne on Earth. I love Wayne on Earth. I think it's a great show. Fun and ridiculous. It's in the very Buffy, Xena-esque feel, okay? The thing is, they write the men to me very well they don't get overly cocky if they do they do get put down a peg a bit but they respect the women around them they are trying to uplift the whole group as well as make sure that they become better people for the greater cause james doesn't do that <laughs> he was doing it he felt like a team player and now it feels like a me 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 fest and they're the show is framing james to be lack of a better word more important in the story than he really is because <laughs> he's really not important we've also taken a show like if we had a superman show we've talked about this before jimmy can be where he's at he can be kind of in the spotlight next to superman doing his thing as the bestie right but because this is a supergirl show and we are very female centric i feel like his the writers are boosting him up for no reason. He's not making anybody else's storyline go 
any better. He's not raising any of the characters up to be better characters. He's actually hindering every single character on the show. <laughs> I think it's like their first approach was to make him a male love interest. Yeah. And then they revised that. They said to make him a superhero. And then they revised that. And then they got kind of lost in season three, the change of management, which felt like two seasons chopped mm -hmm. up. And the additional Legion cast, he became very, very background, almost like someone just collecting a paycheck. And now they're trying to reinvent him and reinsert him into the story plot, give him relevant plot, which we asked for. We asked for this. So well, I mean, we wanted, yeah, we wanted to have give him a story plot, but like, please tell me, what character is he making better? What I'm saying, like, you know, they gave him a flaw, they made him a little more interesting, but they didn't make him likable. I think that. One of the things that James talks about in the specific, just specifically to this episode, is that he insert James, what makes him kind of annoying to me is him inserting himself in the, I guess what you're saying about Manel, he inserts himself into conflict that's unnecessary. So like when the alt-right Children of Liberty are using his name online, he is, you know, wants to write a PSA on behalf of CatCo saying that he doesn't he doesn't back this idea up and Lena believes that all press is good press because that would make the alt anti-aliener's you know actually read CatCo so they'd be reading a, a rag that they don't usually read and so she can see the full picture on because Lena's always right right um you're right <laughs> and I feel like what James does though is rather than taking anyone's advice he just like ignores everyone and does the thing that cause him the, causes him the most conflict and kind of pulls us away from the main story you know it pulls us out of car it pulls us out of it pulls us out of uh jean and it pulls us out of lena or it makes lena have to act less because i definitely got in this episode less of lena's brilliance and more of lena as arm candy and just like the notion that she becomes less brilliant when she's in a scene for this less this character who has less intelligence, you know, and the notion that his lack of intelligence and his lack of foresight, he thinks he's smarter than her or smarter than everyone else in the room. And that's really troubling, you know, because if you were to rank the level of smart, Lena's the smartest person in the show, followed by Brainy, followed by Alex, followed by Supergirl, followed by Jean. James is the least smartest character in terms of any, just like mental capacity on the show, you know? He's a photographer that got a glorified <laughs> raise. And um, I feel like, so for him to constantly be ignoring the smartest person in the world is, I mean, in, in this, it's the smartest person in the room for his, um, for his, out of, out of arrogance is a blind fault, fault that he has but it's a fault that the writers never intended to write. It's just coming up because you have such an undeveloped character that you never fully figured out. So he's getting this fault and people are catching it and they don't like it. And you're like, what's wrong with this picture? Because it still doesn't feel like it's filled in. He still feels like a, an archetype, a character, sure. He doesn't feel like a full character. And now he's not listening to the most developed characters on the show. So. In that regard, I am I I'm like, oh, you're trying to fix it. You're making it worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, indeed. And you mentioned something great and that that helps us move on to Lena. You know, she's becoming arm candy like 
what? <laughs> you know, it once again, like I say, it's the Monel treatment. He's they're turning him into that type of man. Not saying Monel exactly, but what for whatever reason, the writers of Supergirl have an idea of what a good man is, and it's pretty much the opposite of what everybody else thinks a good man is. <laughs> like just being way too prideful and I know the answer even though you're the one person who wouldn't know the actual answer. I know more about a subject that I know nothing about. Lena is Lena Luther. She literally said in a few episodes before, uh, I don't walk, I don't need a man. I don't walk behind a man. I, you know, I don't know how that is or what that's like because I don't walk behind a man, you know? And it's like, but now we have her walking behind this man. Like she is, thank God, I feel like is going to go into this double agent situation because she's always been sold to us with having an ulterior motive. And what felt off about this episode was that you had the scene between Agent Liberty and James, and you had both of them having perspective. But then when you have a character that's Lena Luther standing in the room, who seemingly owns both Cat Cove, Alcorp, made Agent Liberty go out of business because she stopped doing business. When you have this really, really developed character in, in a scene like that, and you didn't give her a point of view, like... We didn't know what her feelings were about James getting entrenched. You know, Katie gave us maybe a few looks, but there was no written dialogue that spoke to Lena's point of view in the scene between these two men where she got James the in. She got him the meeting to go to the mayor's and be the keynote speaker of that event. She's that important. She set it up. So, like, you know, the thing the is, like, like exactly, like, and to have... Ben Lockwood there, you know, that's a scary thought. That's saying that, you know, his as an influencer, he's now become crossed over, his, he's crossed his brand into uh, the media, into national media, and he's considered an outlet. That's horrifying. And, you know, you didn't have Lena saying anything about that. And you didn't have Lena, you know, saying, hey, James, what are you doing? Or, like, you didn't have any point of view from Lena in that scene. You know, and she was, and the reason why people get so angry when they see a woman reduced to arm candy is it's just like, it takes very little to give her agency in that scene. One little line, you know, and you do have time in the, in the, in the script to write something. It doesn't have to, it could be three letters, you know, and you would have her point of view, but it was really lacking in this episode. You know, we had her being a soccer mom with Cara and we enjoyed that. And then we had her having her opinion washed away. And we know that. Lena is never one to do that. And, you know, this just, like... Yeah. I, I just feel like, um... Okay. So, I have a lot of predictions about this. And I guess I'll cover this in the predictions. Okay. So, yeah, no worries. Yeah. Well, we'll move on to a little lighter-hearted uh, grouping that we actually are here for. Um, which is Nianal and Brainy. It's very cute that they're, you know, starting this ship. I can't wait to hear what the name for that is going to be. Uh, Hashtag Brainy Nall. Is it? Brainy Nall? Oh, yeah. Yes. Or uh, Dream Brainer. That'd be funny. Uh, brain uh, Dreamer? I don't know. Brainy Nall has like that. Mm. But you're right. Anything. We're open to concepts. We're open to all. We want to work with everyone. I'm here for it. <laughs> but I think it's cute. You know, it's very, it's precious. We don't have precious in this in this um, thing. We had Maggie and, and Alex and that was like, oh, boo. But like, this is like watching two teenagers just like fall for each other. And you're like, oh, I just want to hug you guys. Boogie boo. You know, it's super adorable. Um, I love that Brainy has zero concept of <laughs> the fact that he's like, 
he's so logical. You, you said to find me, so I found you. <laughs> didn't mean, I didn't know I would call you. Like, he doesn't know how that works. You know, and I think that's, that's cute. And, you know, there was, some people were trying to bitch and say it was like, oh, well, if Monel did this, blah, blah, you guys would hate it. It's like, uh, but Monel is kind of a perv, but Brainy has zero concept of dating, <laughs> you know, and it's not the same thing at all. So, but it was very adorable. It was just, you know, also, what is up with Brainy and being drunk, but then was like, and now I'm not drunk. That is a power I wish I had, honestly. <laughs> I I just think, you know, we were talking about a moment ago, you know, James becoming this toxic character. Mm-hmm. I think Brainy is the polar opposite. Yep. He is a character that the writers are, they're so hot and cold. Jean, great. I never mad at Jean. He never does anything that I don't agree with. Brainy, he has been win without the obnoxious He's been a breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. He's given me a jump. I enjoy every one of his scenes. And for a long time, it's just like I've always looked forward to Cara and Lena and Alex, you know, and when we go, and John. But, and now he's just like, it's kind of making it easier. To, he's giving me another place to enjoy within the span of an hour. And I've really enjoyed him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And he's not toxic. Everything this guy does, he takes that dialogue, he works it, he makes it very human and emotion emotional jesse rath is doing a fabulous and he's job. like and i like the fact that they're not you know brainy could be smart but also be kind of like oh I, I don't know what's going on for the you know being displaced at a time and things like that getting used to it which i like but nothing just pops out of his ass as though like he just thought of it like they did with win as we were calling it win is always winning because he just like all of a sudden knows things but with brainy he could all of a sudden know things but then he gives an explanation of why or oh, well, we use this back on whatever, you know? And he does mention, even though he was drunk this episode, he goes, you know, all hell's a legion because he's still part of that group. You know, he still holds them in high regard. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's, he, you know, he's being brainy. So, I don't know, I absolutely agree. He had that great little line, too, that fist bump to Lena, mm-hmm. little boxes. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I really enjoyed the, that they had the continuity between Nia Nall and Brainy's first meeting. And and then Nia Nall telling Brainy to, like, you know, come find her. And he knows exactly where she lives, down to her address. And it's just, like, what are the th- best things about Brainy? And they're doing such a great job of taking this and running with it. Is the way... is 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 finding out every, each week what he doesn't know. Yeah. Because we know he knows all the facts. He doesn't know anything else. This is something that they failed with with Monel when they were introducing yeah. an alien. Absolutely. They're just getting it so right here. Thing is, you're so right because you know what made it less creepy? They showed Nal, uh, uh, Nia had already seen Brainy in his true form. So Nia, presumably, uh, presumably human, knows that Brainy is an alien. It wasn't, it wasn't like he is just some dude who's awkward. She knows he's an alien. She finds him attractive. She, she wants to, like, date him or whatever. And so the fact that he was awkward about stalking her, in her mind, she was like, oh, he probably just doesn't know how this works. And she found it endearing, you know? And they could have done that with Monel, and they chose not to. And, you know, the thing is they, you know, there was a lot of speculation when you got Brainiac that he was going to date Kara because in the comics, that's Kara's love interest. But... The fact that they plan the show, you know, months in advance, they give the whole story an arc, and they're like, let's get Brainy and Nall together. That is really getting your finger and putting it in the right place, because I just feel like 
They hit it on the head. They did such a fabulous job of even kind of just bringing them together in that one scene. And you know what was great about the scene? Mm. They just, like, there was a moment where they're all cheersing with the mojitos. And, like, Brainy and Nall, you know, have that little interaction about where she lives. And she's like, how come you never called me? And he's like, because you told me to find you. And he doesn't get it that she's flirting with him. But there was, like, a whole, I just was like, that whole scene felt like all the other actors, like, uh, Katie McGrath and Rakad, James, and Kara. Like, I felt like, you know, really forced. Like, the other actors were kind of like, I felt like it was like one of those scenes where they all know that there's a romance being set up and they're like all doing like the role <laughs> of um, setting it up. It, it just seemed very. Uh, it was just very fixed. precious, very cute. It was um, super cute. I loved it. Uh, okay, now going back to our, our villain before we kind of wrap everything up and getting towards the end of this cast. We have Agent Liberty and Jensen and um, all of that. You know, I was weary about them recycling a villain, which they did. Parasite had already been seen. She already knew how to defeat him and all this other stuff. I think it was a benefit with the whole gym being stolen from the guru issue to make him more powerful or whatever. Um, I think that they really did a good job kind of you know art imitating life of saying look they're not wrong you know people aren't wrong there are people who wanted some terrible people in you know in politics to uh, represent them and they didn't think they were bad they were just trying to find a way out of their situation or they wanted to feel safe for whatever reason fine 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 i like the fact that they are bringing that other side like hey lockwood's terrible obviously we saw his backstory but he wasn't terrible he was terrible through circumstance through terrible things constantly happening to him and him being able to go, well, if B happens to me, it's because of A. If C happened because it was A and everything ends up going back to A, unfortunately, and therefore he started hating those things and having a bias. Um, you know, I think that having that be a situation is kind of nice in the show. It's not all black and white. I mean, it's not all gray. You know, there is no... Um, oh, everybody's just evil people who are terrible humans. No, they're showing that you can be a decent human being and have crappy views because of fear. And that was a big thing they said in this episode. Fear. You know, Jensen, not Jensen, uh, Jensen had fear for whatever reason. They didn't really give a better, a good backstory of why he dislikes aliens, but fine. But Lockwood has a reason. You know, it might not be a good reason, but his dad died. His dad, you know, his business got bought up by L Corp, who, you know, gave it to aliens. And, and you know, aliens heard him this and aliens heard him that. Got him fired from his job, as though he thinks, you know. So I get it. And I'm glad that they're starting to talk about that on the show. Um, because it's always another side. There's always, you always have to hear another person's side. Which is why I do like the idea that James is going to kind of get into this. I already know it's not going to end up the way James wants it to end I, up. I, I do not think it's going to end up the way James wants at it At all. Yeah. Like, that's just a deep, dark, dark so, dive. But, yeah. One of the things they're doing with Agent Liberty is that they're creating, they're turning him into a Steve Bannon of National City. Mm -hmm. Or you could even go as far as saying the Gavin McInnes of National City. He's become a right-wing media influencer, and he has a website called The People's Veratas. And basically, he's starting, you know, this, his, his platform has created the, this movement, the Children of Liberty. I can't wait to see this. 
it feels very Legends of Korra <laughs> when I think of the Children's of Liberty. It really does. Um, yeah, it, it feels like they had they had the they had a name, the Equalist. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Um, I also think that one of the things that w- we learned in the scene uh, between James and Agent Liberty was that Agent Liberty Ben Lockwood has become very manipulative. Yeah. He has the capacity to spin words in the way where he gets his plight to, and he makes it seem less xenophobic, less um, anti-alien. He makes it he has a he has a way of being relatable. He has a way of humanizing his issues. And what he's done is I just talked about it. James is not the smartest character on the show, but he thinks he's the smartest, so that's his flaw. And it feels like he showed us in the scene that he had the capacity to bait James into being the guardian when he James really didn't want when James with the stakes of James going to prison being so high and so he's capable of manipulating James right off the bat by getting him to fight when James says he's not going to fight and so if James thinks he's going to go and double agent and do some deep inside investigative reporting with these children of liberty I think that this is just going to blow up in his face. 100%. What do you think? Absolutely. What and do you think of that? Well, I also like They're going to the use him. They are. I also like the fact that they kept saying, you know, James kept saying, you're not going to turn me. You're not going to get me on your side. And I'm like, honey, we all know by the CW already, if you keep saying something, doth protest too much. He's probably going to You know up- what I would like to see? I'd like to see James go full fanatic. Like, one of my, one of my other descriptions, I wrote top five how to fix James. I said, give him a flaw. I said to give him an enemy, like an, a, an enemy we can all get behind. And I said that he should get Kako and put Kako against uh, alt-right conservative media uh, newspaper. So now you have, I think they just went on the podcast, took my notes. Um, now you have Agent Liberty who runs the Veratis, the People's Veratis. And you have James trying to fight that source. The only thing was, is I was like, Catco versus the People's Veratis. But instead, you have James on Team Veratis. I would love to see James be fully manipulated, go full humans first, and become a total baddie. I would love it. They would never do it. But then I think I might like James. So there's a thought. Right? Wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't that be cool and interesting? Like, Agent Liberty gets to James. James becomes his second in command. You know, James starts to be like, yeah, I'm just sticking up for my people. I'm a human. You know, like, he starts to little by little become, and you just make it a slow burn. Uh, I mean, I'd love to see a turning of James Olsen. I mean, I doubt that's ever going to happen, but, like, I get it. You can't, but, Uh, yeah. I I don't see it, but I definitely, you know, I get it. Because he's, like I said, he's too close to Superman and Supergirl. Well, he has the, he has hubris, you know. He's somebody who thinks he's the greatest. He's going to end up being manipulated, and that's pretty much going to be his downfall. Um, His hubris, I can, I can, I can infiltrate this group because I know better. Yeah. That's going to get him in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's get to these questions. Um... And this is questions for you guys out there. Please feel free to go to iTunes or YouTube or any of the channels that you hear us on and, you know, give us your uh, ideas and your thoughts, uh, especially on Twitter at uh, whatabout underscore dat. Hit us up there with these uh, answers. How will Lena deal with the decision James has made to engage the alt-right? You know? It's like, how's that going to work out? How's she going to feel about it? 
This sounds like a dirty question, but I'm going to ask it. Will Alex get a firm upper hand on her commander? It actually doesn't sound like a dirty question. I think it's just the way you said it. It's because of firm. The word firm, upper hand on her commander. She's going to need two hands for that job. Go on. Wow. We went there. <laughs> okay. Well, um... Will we be? Oh, good God! You, you just went there. You like mentally. You went there. I didn't. I was per, firmly Girl, not there. I went there during the episode. Oh. I was like there. Oh dear. Well, that's uh, gin for you guys. Um, will we actually be able to see Nia this season become the dreamer? Um, I don't know if they're gonna fully make her a hero yet. I feel like this might be a season five thing where she joins permanently and then becomes a dreamer. I think they're just trying to get her into the group, so I don't know, what do you guys what do you guys think? Yeah. And the all important question, Jen. When when will Lames break up? Predictions <laughs> What about <laughs> those predictions? <laughs> okay. My prediction. I see a divide brewing between the characters. John, Alex, Cara, Lena, James will become polarized in their interpersonal relationships. Um, uh, and I feel that what I mean by that when I wrote that is that there's jargon and it seems like they were dividing up James and John. So John is becoming more of an advocate for the alien movement and James is becoming more of an advocate for humans. And I can see that dividing up the super team as the team becomes polarized in their worldviews. That's what I meant by that. Alex will lose control of the DEO. This is my prediction. She starts the season in power. She will end the season out of power and will be on the lamb. This is a heavy prediction. 24 episodes to make it happen. But I just feel like the government has been infiltrated and Alex will follow what's right over the line of command that was established in this episode. Um, and my last prediction, James will go to jail for being the guardian in public. The alt-right will politicize his jail time. He'll get out of jail, perhaps by Lena's aid. She will promptly then break up with them. This is how I see the breakup happening because Lena said it. She lives in the gray. James picking a side, even if he is a double agent, even if he's trying to do it for good, James becoming the face of the alt-right anti-alien movement will force Lena to make a deep-seated decision. Because at the core of it, she's always valued her dichotomy and her reputation for being the non-Luther, the Luther who didn't turn evil. That seems like one of those things she'll reject. So I think Lena stays good. James gets broken up with. That's my prediction. Cool. Right now, I think that I feel Kara is going to take definitely more of a prevalent turn this season um, because you cannot fight everyday man. You can't fight just every, you know, day neighbors. And therefore, Supergirl is going to have less of a, mm. a showing. Um, I think they're going to really try to structure uh, life a little bit more about Kara and being a mentor to Nia. Uh, I would love to say that I think that John's detective work is going to bring some really cool aliens and cases. I We had said this with um, uh, Wynn's girlfriend. What was her name? Lyra. Uh, Lyra. 
um, where we were saying, oh, we would love to see some more aliens that look mm. like aliens. You yeah. Know, that are presenting. And because of John's uh, direction, I think we're going to start getting that. And I think that's exciting um, because I, what I miss in TV in general is practical effects, like actual effects, actual, you know, makeup jobs. Lyra's, we kind of judged it a little bit. We are like, why is she a different... Yeah, you don't need CGI for everything. Miss Star Trek makeup, be all of a budget. Yeah, you would think, oh, with a superhero show, there's tons of ways to do stuff, tons of ways to bring the alien world to us without it being CGI. So I cannot wait to see more extras and more people, you know, up there doing that. I think that'll be really cool. And as far as Lena, I think that she already knows that things are gonna go sideways. She already has the feeling. She already sees it because she's been there, you know. And I think that she's going to distance herself from the man who is becoming, like I said, a liability. It's going to be a liability for her company, for her as a person. And she just has no time. So, anyways, that, those are my predictions. Jen, what was your scoring of this episode? I give this a four because every episode with the lames coupling... It's a half vote down. Ha! That's hilarious. Um, I'm giving this a five because I do like Jean's story, journey. Uh, obviously, the whole rooftop thing, that gave me some life. But uh, this whole... That's funny, though. That's like the first minute and a half in, yeah. this, in this episode. The first minute and a half, you had life. That's sad. Yeah, and then just James is giving me like a... It's just a bummer. Like, I'm kind of over they, it. They, they squeezed in a James-centric episode under the guise of a garden party. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so that's it. All right, guys. Uh, we have some social media announcements real quick. Um, just once again, we said at the top of this cast, but I'll say it again. We will be releasing the reading of If Only Part 1 by Always Bring Back Up underscore 03. Uh we are doing this in four-part series because it's a very long fic and ain't nobody got time to record all that in one night. So, <laughs> yeah. I hope you guys uh, check Adair it out. Adair makes a great Alex Danvers. Just so you guys know, I'm teasing it. Oh, lordy. Uh, we are all <laughs> pitching in and being silly. So, I hope you guys enjoy. Uh, make sure you guys comment and once again, uh, hit us up on Twitter as you do. Have a great night. See you later. Thanks for listening. And if you want to take us on the go, we are now available on iTunes, Spotify, Player FM, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Play, Listen Notes, and Podbean. We even have some fun stuff going on over at YouTube. And if you feel like sliding on through, head over to Twitter at whatabout underscore dat. Hope to see you soon.